0: I'm wondering if one day I'll just sit here and not say anything. <laughs> Be a bit disappointing, won't it? Sometimes we joke that this is the entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone see the moon this afternoon or evening? Yeah. Some of you yeah. uh, it's a very, very bright new moon, a real re- kind of reminder of uh, of possibilities you yeah, of renewal. And so before I um, flow into into the the Dharma reflections, just uh, a little practical thing about tomorrow. The schedule for tomorrow I think will be up. I don't think it's up yet, but it will be up. It is up, Toby? No, it'll be up later. Sorry? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, it'll be up later this evening before the end of the, <laughs> of the schedule. And um, in the morning, uh, we're, we're starting 15 minutes earlier. So the wake-up will be at 6. Simon's particularly important for you. (laughs) Wake up at 6 and um, the first meditation at 6.30. And then there's a few other uh, changes there. Uh, We ask that everyone is here at 5 to 7 because there'll be a dana talk and then a practical talk from the coordinators that is really helpful if everyone is here for for that, um, even if you don't come for the sitting. So, yeah, a few more reflections on what we're doing here and where this is going, maybe. And again, can't not express my appreciation for, for your practice. It's not. Um, you we're know, kind of. It's always. It's always kind of a bit questionable to say we're living through a difficult time or a time that has challenges <laughs> how can we compare uh to other times but certainly we know that there are challenges uh in our time and in this period um and you know whether they're impacting us directly or indirectly they're impacting us and so the kind of the 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 coming here and taking the time and practicing and meeting that um, is, is very profound, actually. It's a very profound thing to, to do with a life. So, a real appreciation for, for the way you're meeting your experience, you know, with the diversity of that. <laughs> yeah. And diversity of, of that. So now, if we look at what we're what we've been doing, what we've been doing here, and I'm just going to I've said this before, but I find it helpful to repeat it. So you have to hear me repeating it. Yeah. We've been slowing down and simplifying. Been gathering, collecting, harmonizing, even if it feels like just for a very very fleeting moments, <laughs> there's been a gatheredness or there's been a harmonization yeah. of getting that whole team together that makes up our experience, the body, heart and mind. Yeah. That whole team coming together for a moment and, and how that feels. Yeah. And as we, we've been doing that, and this is kind of one of the beautiful things about the practice, we're doing, we're doing, we're cultivating, yeah, cultivating the beautiful, cultivating the wholesome, cultivating the beneficial and the nourishing, and that cultivation uh, is happening throughout the process, yeah. So that cultivation is happening in the challenging moments as well as in the moments of ease, yeah. We're cultivating the beautiful, cultivating the wholesome, the nourishing, the beneficial um, for our own well-being and uh, for the well-being of all. Because maybe we're starting to get a sense that there isn't really a boundary. (laughs) There's not a very clear boundary there. We have this boundary. It's kind of a a way that we see the world, that we're conditioned to see the world but we cannot really separate the two. The well-being in here yeah, is dependent on the well-being of others and the well-being of others is dependent on the well-being of ourselves. So this word cultivation, I just said it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah Cultivation. In Pali Bhavana, Which is usually translated as meditation, and so you know you can say, "Actually, (laughs) we've been cultivating all this time." You thought you were coming on a meditation retreat; you were coming on a cultivation retreat. And so, cultivation bhavana literally means bringing into being, bringing into being bringing into being, giving birth to. Though sometimes, I may have said this, I like to, to think about our practice, um, about this kind of journey that we're on. It's like, ah, this, this is a lab. <laughs> this body, heart, mind is a laboratory. It's a, it's a lab for understanding. For wisdom, for clarity, yeah. for compassion, for care, for kindness, understanding. How do these? How do these come about? Yeah. How do they get distilled? Yeah. And it's a lab, and it's also a factory. <laughs> so where we make it yeah, we understand we learn we explore and we bring into being we give birth to we bring into the world yeah. these beautiful wholesome beneficial attitudes and qualities so you know every time you bring your attention back whether it's from you know, a storm, a gang of hindrances, <laughs> or it's just from, you know, the previous breath. Every time you bring your attention back, yeah, it's a cultivation. Yeah. cultivation of um, beautiful ways of relating. Yeah. Beautiful qualities like patience, yeah, like steadiness, like uh, curiosity, yeah. Sensitivity, responsiveness, metta. Mm. And the list kind of goes on and on. Yeah. I could probably keep, keep saying beautiful qualities that we're cultivating for the rest of, of my time here. So every time we bring our attention back, every time uh, we acknowledge our experience, ah, this, this is here. This is what's in attention. This is what's unfolding right now. Every time, we acknowledge our experience and we attend to it, we listen to it. Every time we do that, we're cultivating. We're bringing into the world, we're nourishing. Nourishing, again, patience, sensitivity, clarity. Compassion, steadiness. So, all of these, yeah, I think we know that, but they're meditative ways of relating, yeah. meditative skills, but they're also, of course, life skills. Can you hear me okay? I, I, I thought I went quiet. Okay. I keep forgetting to, to ask you to tell me <laughs> if it goes quiet. Sometimes the mic escapes. So these are all meditative skills, but they're also life skills. Also life skills. Coming back to what is in front of us. Attending to our experience with the wholesome, with the beautiful, with the nourishing. And so Jake spoke yesterday about, you know, the mountaintop in the marketplace. Yeah, I love that image. Yeah, the mountaintop in the marketplace. Kind of, you can say, you know, the the retreat space and... Sometimes people say real life. (laughs) And I kind of just... Want to say? Huh? Can you? Can we put a question mark around that? Real next to the real? <laughs> what's What's the real? Which Which is real? Anyway. So when we kind of understand, or when we um, kind of see, ah, there's actually a thread that's connected here. You know, the same skills that we're cultivating on the meditation cushion. These are useful skills. These are useful ways of looking. These are useful qualities. Yeah. In the marketplace, yeah. and not just for the mountaintop. And we can start kind of playing with this. You know, we can ask, you know, where's the line? Um, and I was I was playing with this today. <laughs> Made these notes this morning, so I had all day to play with this. Where's the medita- Where's the line between meditation and non-meditation? Where's that boundary? Where is it? You know, when when kind of this leg falls asleep, and I know we must be nearing the end of the meditation. <laughs> I remember the stage in my practice. I'm going to go on off in a tangent, but you'll forgive me. Um, first year of meditating every every day, when I kind of started to recognize, okay, when this leg falls asleep, that means it's about twenty five minutes in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it kind of wakes up again, then, you know, it's about 35. I, had, I had really knew I could tell by my body what was happening. Yeah, it was funny. So where's the line? You know, when we know we're nearing the end, where we've kind of, okay, I've, that's enough. <laughs> Mind is not cooperating anymore. I'm just waiting till the bell rings. When the bell rings, yeah, when we open our eyes, yeah, when we get up, when we're outside that door, where's that line and in the same way we can say where's the line where's the boundary between retreat and not retreat where's that line where's that boundary yeah. it can just be interesting to ponder for us and you know, when we ponder it, we might realize those those lines, those boundaries, they're in the mind, <laughs> yeah, they're in the mind, yeah, mostly, yeah? they're not as um, fixed and solid as real as we think they may be. So this itself is such, a, such an exploration, yeah, such a practice to, to just open up to that and kind of start checking. Where's, where's, where are these boundaries? Where does something end and something else begin? Yeah. Where is that? And of course, you know, we, we will agree it's useful <laughs> to have these boundaries, right? To know this is this and this is that. That's useful for us to function in the world. Yeah but we can also at the same time hold it lightly with curiosity, with exploration. So some of you might might know these, the, the beginning lines of the Dhammapada. You know, it's, uh, it's a text, a uh, Buddhist text, um, kind of poetic sayings attributed to, to the Buddha. And... Um, It begins the first line is um, depends on the translations but um, mind or heart mind is the forerunner of all things yeah or another translation would say phenomena is preceded by the mind yeah so mind is the forerunner it comes before all things how does that land make sense yeah and basically what it's pointing to is that everything we experience everything we do we think we feel we see we hear we taste yeah we sense we think all of it yeah is shaped conditioned impacted by the mind, and this is a little quote from Tenisaro Biku, and he says, "Some, you know, often people hear this, and they think it's a nice idea. I'll add, sometimes they think it's not a nice idea, but they they think something quite definite about it. But they don't. This is him again. But they don't realize how deeply it goes into the Dhamma. When the Buddha explains, yeah." the complex causes of suffering in dependent origination that Jake spoke about yesterday. You might notice notice that sensory contact, the contact with the world comes halfway through the lineup, halfway through the, the sequence, right? And I would add to that it's it's actually <laughs> almost the whole sequence is in the mind, <laughs> except that. Except the contact, yeah? talk about ignorance yeah we talk about um sankaras fabrications we talk about consciousness yeah we talk about namarupa name and form yeah all in the mind and then comes contact (laughs) contact with the world and then it's made and back to the mind it's very interesting for me at least (laughs) yeah really fascinating so back to him Everything, yeah, leading up to the sensory contact has to do with the mind. So when we see a sight or we hear a sound, depending on the habits of the mind, we are either are or are not setting ourselves up for suffering. He's quite hardcore, if you (laughs) notice. Doesn't mince his words. And it's regardless of how good or bad that particular contact may be. I we've been touching on this through the days. Yeah. This is why we meditate. Yeah. This is why we meditate. To train the mind. And the big distinction, this is the, the Buddha's language that he's using, the big distinction between a trained and untrained mind that the Buddha said is that if we shape the ideas that we bring to the present moment in ignorance, they're going to lead to suffering. And if we shape them with wisdom, they're going to be a path to the end of suffering. So as we meditate, we're getting to know the mind so we can train it, so we can know what's going on, to see where it's doing something unskillful, where it's doing something skillful, and to abandon the unskillful habits and to develop the skillful ones. End of quote. Shall we do it again? There's a lot there. We'll do it again with a lot of paraphrasing. So all phenomena is preceded by the mind. Yeah, That's the quote that he's kind of discussing. The mind is the forerunner of all things. Yeah. And the kind of the forerunner preceded by, because the mind has habits. Yeah mind has habits basically what we what we repeat becomes the habit of the mind Mm. i come from i I mentioned it i i come from the middle east and uh we've got deserts over there i don't know if you know (laughs) and in the deserts there's um these amazing places where they're dry riverbeds yeah where the water only goes Yeah, when there's heavy rainfall, and that can sometimes happen, you know, just every few years. I grew up in Jerusalem. Another digression. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, when I was a teenager, by you know, when we already had our license, when there were heavy heavy rains in Jerusalem, it'd be like, get in the cars quickly and drive to the Judean Desert to see the flash floods. Yeah, it's an amazing sight when you see water going. Through through a ravine, it's incredible. And so, the interesting thing about that—we're going to get—we're going to get to the mind, I promise—is <laughs> that the water, you know, over time, it carves this incredible life uh, landscape, yeah, in the desert. And you think, you know, it just every time it just goes through, yeah, and it carves this incredible landscape. Uh, And as I said, it might only be coming through once every few years. But the way the water does that is that it always follows the easiest course, right? So water creates channels. And our minds are the same. (laughs) So if we do things a certain way, if we think a certain way, if we're trained a certain way, that's the easiest course. That's the way the water will run. Yeah that's why one way we can see that's how some of our habits are formed yeah. so all phenomena are preceded by the habits of the mind shaped by the mind and so if we go back to that um, that chain of dependent origination yeah that ignorance yeah is, is a habit is a way of seeing that's ingrained yeah mm-hmm. And we have a choice, that's what we do when we practice. We're transforming ignorance into wisdom, into non-ignorance, to seeing more clearly. And so when we look at that that kind of link, this is what Tanisa Rubiku is saying, is we can see, ah, the sensory contact is only a small part of what is happening, yeah? The smelling, the tasting, the seeing, the feeling, the thinking, yeah? That meeting with the external, with the world, that's only one small part. Yeah. And most of it is happening in our perception. Does that make sense? Is it freaking you out? Great. And if it is, that's also okay. It's pretty pretty crazy stuff. So the habits of the mind, yeah, are kind of what supports yeah, how we experience something yeah, and where it leads how it escalates or doesn't and so we meditate yeah, in order to train the mind yeah. we meditate in order to cultivate we're coming back to cultivation <laughs> yeah. training, cultivating yeah. beautiful, wholesome, skillful and ways of seeing and ways of relating to experience And so as we meditate, we see, yeah? We meet our habits, that's what we've been doing, right? Been seeing some of our habits, some of our patterns, yeah? Which again, are not personal, yeah? That's a a difficult one to to take on, isn't it? Human habits of the mind. So we see what we're doing, we begin to recognize what leads to suffering and what leads away from suffering, yeah, we begin to recognize I was just looking at um my iPad case, and it's really frayed, getting really frayed, and I spend a lot of time with my mother and whenever she whenever she sees something like that of mine that's kind of looking old and frayed, she says to me, "Oh, i'll get you a new one yeah it's very, very generous and I always, I have to explain to her again and again, you know, I'm not going to get a new one until this one really falls apart. (laughs) Yeah, it's been glued countless times. Yeah. Why? Because it's made of plastic. Yeah. Yeah. So we begin to, to understand for ourselves and for the world what brings suffering and what doesn't. Yeah. What brings suffering and what doesn't. And as we do that, you know, we, we, and, and we practice and, and we see the fruits of our practice, we also um, kind of gain, gain the confidence and the motivation to develop yeah, the skillful, the wholesome ways of looking, yeah. the freeing ways of looking, and to stop feeding the unwholesome ones. Yeah. Gain that confidence. We gain understanding. We see what leads where and we get more motivated. And it's not always easy, we know that. I've right? been on retreat for three days. So doing this, yes, seeing, seeing clearly, seeing what brings suffering, seeing what leads away from suffering, yeah. and cultivating the wholesome, cultivating the skillful, and letting go, dropping the unskillful, it's again something that we do in formal meditation, But it's also something that we can do beyond formal meditation. Yeah. Something that we do in formal meditation. But it's also something that we do beyond formal meditation. And it's so powerful. Yeah, so powerful. It can transform our immediate experience. It can transform our heart minds minds over time. Now I want to give a couple of examples for that. I think I have time. Maybe not. (laughs) Okay, I'll just give one. Okay, so this is, um, you know, having that understanding, it's back to those boundaries that we talked about, retreat, non-retreat, meditation, non-meditation, yeah, practice, not practice, yeah, this idea of boundaries. When we kind of start to question them, and we bring this interest, you know, how can I kind of bring that interest to see what's going on in my experience and to cultivate the wholesome, to cultivate the beautiful yeah, in any situation. Yeah, that's kind of what we're interested in. This is really, can be really powerful. And um, so that the example, just going to pause a minute a nice thing to do. So this was a, a couple of months ago. I was um, I was a, a, at a at a clinic waiting to see a nurse, surgery, and uh, there must have been about fifteen people waiting <laughs> to see the nurse, and there were two nurses, and so. Um, this was in Israel, I don't know how it would have been in this country, but in Israel people get quite restless (laughs) in that situation, and uh, they get a little bit agitated, and uh, they also express it, so you know, every time the the nurse's door would open, like someone would comment something, and you know, people were, yeah, pretty, let's say, unhappy, and venting, a little bit also, and so I, 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 was standing there and kind of, you know, being, <laughs> and uh, thinking, okay, how can I, you kind know, of, how can I be of service in this in this particular situation and kind of support the the atmosphere to be less agitated, and um, so I tried, you know, kind of uh, reasoning. And uh, you know, you know, they're working really, really hard, yeah. And and you know, they're really working really hard. And it's not their fault. Yeah. It's really not the nurses' fault that there's 15 of us waiting here. Um, and you know, sometimes they kind of dropped in, and and then someone would say something and it wasn't working that well. Um, then I tried another one. I said to them, "Aren't we lucky that we have a health system?" If, and people were like, yeah, you're right, <laughs> we're really fortunate. And that lasted for a bit, but also didn't quite catch. Uh, the agitation just kept rising to the surface again. And so I a little bit kind of gave up and just stood back and was just looking around, sending a meta. And then I noticed, I'd noticed before, there was um, a man about my age there with his mum. He, he had, uh, I think, a learning disability. And uh, and they were sitting together. Something very lovely about their togetherness. And he was getting agitated and, and impatient. And his mum was very beautifully kind of soothing him. and um, I felt very drawn to them. So, you know, at some point when he, he said again, you know, he said again, I, w- "When are we going to go in?" You know, I really want to go already. You know. You know. I want to. I want to get it done. I want to leave, um, and I. 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 I turned and I said to him, ah, oh yes, being patient. That's really tricky, isn't it? You know, I'm feeling quite agitated also." And he said, "Yeah." And then I said to him, "You know, when, when I'm I'm feeling impatient and there's nothing I can do about it, I sometimes think about something good, that's happened." And I wondered, you know, do you can you think of anything good? And he said, yeah, yesterday I was having a, a tough time in my work, and the people, the other people that were really kind to me. Yeah. And he smiled, <laughs> and his mum smiled. And I said to him, you know, the other thing that helps me is, is talking to, to some really nice people like you. Yeah, that also helps me, you know, if, I, if I contact and his mum nudged him and said, tell her, tell her, tell her she's nice too. <laughs> it was really sweet. And then this other lady who was standing, you know, behind me somewhere, piped up and said, I've got, I've got to pitch in and just tell you how nice you all are. Yeah. And then she said, and actually, you know, do you live on, on this street? Because I think I see you in the mornings waiting for your ride. And he said, yeah, and they started to chat to each other. And there um, was this other lady there with a the little girl. And, and so then we started talking to her and about how much she was waiting to get through the nurse because she wanted to go to school. She was year one, <laughs> still eager to get to school. And somehow, you know, with all of that, all those 15 people were suddenly a community. Yeah, this was really interesting, yeah suddenly all those people were uh, were together in friendship yeah. in a sense of connection and there was no agitation um, maybe even the next person being called in was disappointed to leave <laughs> I'm not sure but it's a really small example and um, you know when I walked out of there I just I felt great <laughs> I felt great. Yeah. I felt great. So we can do these things in formal meditation and we can do them outside of formal meditation. Yeah. And it's so powerful, it transforms our experience in the immediacy, yeah. in the moment our experience is transformed. Yeah. And sometimes it transforms the experience of others. He also transforms our hearts, minds over time. Yeah. The more we do this, yeah. You know, certainly not 25 years ago, certainly not five years, well, maybe five years ago, I would have done that. Ten years ago, I think I would still not have done that. <laughs> yeah. So transforming, yeah, transforming our heart, minds over time, having access, yeah. To these wholesome, beautiful qualities, across situations over time, and being able, because of that, through that, to attend, to attend to suffering, whether you know pretty minor, like in this case, you know, there's some agitation (laughs) of queuing up, or more major, attending to suffering and nourishing well-being, in ourselves and for others, and in the world. So, I'm kind of saying this to, to, to say something about, about us, yeah, that our practice, our cultivation, our exploration, our deepening, it doesn't need to end tomorrow at lunch, yeah. In fact, it cannot, yeah, yeah. It continues with us, yeah, it continues with us, and it can be helpful yeah, at this point in the retreat, it can be helpful to reflect, say, okay, what has been supportive for me here in these conditions? What has been supportive? might be the silence, the simplicity, the community, the guidance, the teachings, the cooks. I was saying to them today, can you come with me, please? because I've been eating this food here for five weeks and I don't know what I'm going to do when I have to cook for myself <laughs> so we can think what has been um, supportive for us yeah? and what would support me to stay connected to that yeah? how do I keep nourishing that in, in my life in my heart, in my mind yeah, we can reflect on what has been valuable to us, yeah. and we can also reflect on our insights—what we've seen, what we've understood, what we've glimpsed, what we've touched, yeah. what has moved us. Yeah. We often use this image. You know, sometimes we we think, "Oh, an insight is something that we we gain." <laughs> yeah and then we take it, and we frame it, and we hang it on the wall somewhere we're not very likely to look at it. Or we put it on a shelf, like a trophy. And so no, insights are invitations for practice and for application. Something to carry with us in our pocket. And to apply, to try out, to engage with, to explore. And we keep our insights alive that way. And we also keep the path alive and vibrant. Because paths are created through being walked. Created through being walked. So we can appreciate that too. You know that actually the walking of the path itself, yeah, is beautiful. The walking of the path itself is beautiful and rare. I have to say that to you. You're rare. Yeah. Not many humans have that opportunity, all that movement of the heart, or yeah. the conditions. Mm. So that capacity to show up and to keep applying the practice to what we're meeting, mm. the capacity to savor and appreciate the process itself yeah the practice itself the walking of the path itself yeah. as well as the that destination <laughs> which we're not even really sure where we're going but we know there's something yeah. it's all an opportunity so sometimes you know i like to use this image and to ask the question you know what if we say okay all of my life is a meditation retreat, <laughs> yeah, all of it, all of my life is a cultivation, yeah. all of it it's all a practice opportunity, yeah. all of it, and we do this with discernment and intelligence, yeah, of course, we use discernment and intelligence, yeah we doesn't it doesn't mean that we just agree to everything <laughs> it doesn't mean that we don't. you know, distinguish between what's wholesome for us and what isn't. Still make choices. But we can see what happens if we see all of life as a practice opportunity. And we bring in these ways of relating that uh, reduce suffering and that free. And we nourish them as we practice them. Another, so I I have time for my other example. <laughs> Another example that was coming to me is um, my, um, one of my nieces. Um, in Israel, the military service is, is compulsory and it's quite difficult to get out of it. And she's been clear from fairly early in her teens that she didn't want to do it. And um, when she got closer to that stage um, she was expressing that and my uh, brother and his wife found it really difficult. Yeah. Very strong conditioning, yeah, from the society that you do your duty. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was very difficult dynamic building up and 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 there's a very good relationship yeah especially between my niece and her dad my, my brother there's a very good relationship but this was a really difficult dynamic and she was being incredibly courageous um and so she was already this was the kind of almost the last chance yeah um she was doing her gap year she'd already graduated from high school she was doing gap year volunteering um, doing really, really tough work. And um, she asked me to, talking to me and my mum, who were really supporting her, but she asked me to come and be there when she spoke to her parents. And I was, you know, I was there, sitting there and, um, and following the dynamic and getting triggered myself. <laughs> A fair bit. Yeah. And, and and it felt to me, ah, it's going around in loops, you know, like she's saying to them, This is wrong for me. This is wrong for me. It's not the right environment for me. Yeah. And I want to do things for others, yeah. That that honour who I am. Yeah. Very beautiful. And they were saying, you know, no, you've got to do your duty. <laughs> yeah, this is like you've got to contribute to society. It was really interesting. Here she is volunteering at this really, you know, you know intense thing, and she's planning two more years instead of the military service. She's going to do two more years volunteering. They say you've got to, you've got to contribute. And so I said, ah, this is the thing. This is where it's not meeting. So staying open, thing, my own triggering. I'm getting triggered. Why are you not listening to her? (laughs) Uh, Look how beautiful she is. Keep it in. Keep it in. Don't say that. It's not helping. Getting triggered. Seeing that. This is this is where it's not meeting. And then I just said, let's just stop for a minute. Yeah. Back and forth. Back and forth. And I turned to my brother, also have a very close relationship with, and I said, please listen to what she's saying. Yeah. Can you please listen to what she's saying? She's not she's not um being irresponsible. She's not shirking, just listen. She wants to give, but in her way. Can you listen? And he stopped. And he said, Okay. And he said, Okay, now say it again. <laughs> and this, you know, she was eighteen, you yeah, know, eighteen and a half. And she said it again. And you could hear it. Yeah. to hear it so you know for me these are th- I'm giving you small examples you know but they're also like they're, they're huge yeah for her life, for their relationship yeah for the support that she needed and then he could give wholeheartedly yeah in that process which is not easy yeah And we never know the, the impact. You know if we go back to the clinic, yeah, and I often say this, you know, we say, "Ah, every single person that was there, their experience changed. Yeah. And then their day potentially changed, and their interactions with other people potentially changed. Yeah. So where's the limit? <laughs> Where does that end? We don't know, we don't know. So what we do often becomes the habit of the mind. And that shapes our experience and it shapes the world. It shapes the world for ourselves and for others. So we can ask ourselves, you know, every moment, and this is a, a practice question, it's an exploration, it's not about being good or bad, right or wrong, yeah. it's a question. What do we want to do with this life? What do we want to do with this mind and this heart? Yeah. And what do we want to do with this world that we share? Yeah. What is it that we wish to nourish and to cultivate? And what is it that we wish to stop feeding? So let's have a, a little bit of silence together just to, to let things land and settle. taking the time to appreciate yourself for all all the lovely and wholesome and beautiful qualities that you've been cultivating, that you are cultivating through the difficulties and the calm. And seeing also you can feel any sense of curiosity, and interest, to keep exploring this path, to keep applying and practicing these insights that arise and have arisen for you. So may our practice continue to nourish each of us and all of us. And may our practice support the well-being, the welfare of all beings in all directions. So thank you for your practice and your listening and your exploration